home and home. Hump day, hump day. Hey Bill, hey Bill. What guess what day it is? Hey Bill, guess what day? It's hump day. It's hump day. It's hump day. Ross Tucker, Jason Martinez with you again, filling in for Dave Briggs on a Wednesday edition of a Home and Home, a Radio.com Sports Original. We are with you from 8:30 to 10:30 a.m. Eastern Time every day live, as well as always available on demand. A lot to talk about when it comes to the NFL. Maybe having a new CBA, maybe not. We still haven't had a chance this week yet to dive into the latest Astros sign stealing. And it's this time we all have video evidence of it. We don't even need to debate it. They are clearly stealing signs again. And how about the Jets as we continue our all 32 series can the gang green finally get it turned around? But Jason, we're going to start with something a little bit different today because it's very rare that one of the two hosts of Home and Home goes to a sporting event the night before that makes significant news. But that's exactly what happened last night. Uh, as most of the listeners, viewers, whatever know, I live in central Pennsylvania, uh, get tickets to Hershey Bears games often, went to the game last night, about midway through the second period, the people, uh, we have second row seats, the people in front of us left, so my two daughters are up against the glass right in front of my wife and I, and the Bears scored to go up 4-1, and you can talk about this, Jason, but... Bears scored to go up 4-1. The next faceoff, I mean, they didn't even tap the puck. Everybody just got out of the way. Two guys dropped the gloves. It was Kale Kessie from the Hershey Bears and Derek Shepard from the Charlotte Checkers. Let's pause there before I do the rest of the story because I think it's important Talk to me about what happened or went on there because there was no animosity. It's 4-1. You're about to take the face-off. And as soon as the face-off happens, everybody gets out of the way except for these two guys that throw their gloves down. And I said to the girls and my wife, fight. It's a fight. Here it comes. Turn around. Get ready. Because you knew right away what was happening. What happened there? Well, I don't know if there was any history there where it was a calling card from a, a prior event or a prior game or a hit that either one of those players laid on one of their teammates earlier this season. So I'm not sure about that, but th- this is what the NHL and what hockey would term as a premeditated uh, fight, one where they just decided they were going to go before something even happened or sparked it, like a big hit in the course of play or a guy slashes a guy or something like that. And both players just, they say, they walk out, they go to the face-off circle. Hey, we're out next to each other. You want to go? Yeah, let's go. Both one guy's trying to give his team energy uh, because now they're down 4-1 to in the game. So he's trying to change the momentum by getting into a fight. And usually the team of the guy that's leading the game is going to go, no, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to help you give your team energy when we're up 4-1. to So there might have been something else there, like a backstory between those two. I'm not sure about that, but... That's a premeditated fight. 
and the league and the AHL as well will come down hard on those guys because the premeditated fight when it's not in the course of play is one of the things that they're trying to get out of the game because there's no place for it and because things can happen. And what you witnessed last night did happen is a reason why these premeditated fights should not take place anymore. The sport has got to evolve. They're trying to make it evolve, but there still are situations like what you witnessed last night, and it's pretty disturbing. Yeah, so uh, what ends up happening is Cassie for the Bears gets a few nice jabs in and is hitting um, Shepard, and then all of a sudden, Shepard comes through with a right hand that hits uh, Cassie right in in the jaw, maybe even in the in the cheek area. And from our vantage point, we were behind Shepard. Front row are my daughters. I'm in the second row. But you could see the right hand come. You could see the clean shot to the head. And you could see immediately Kessie's eyes roll up. In fact, as Kessie's going... He was knocked out on his feet. As he's going down, Shepard's trying to hold him up with one hand and waving for people to come out with the other hand. I mean, I'm telling you, Jason, it was not even, man, I don't know, not even like a tenth of a second it felt like after he connected that he went, boom, trying to hold him up like this. Yeah, like and he's trying he to hold him knew, up so he doesn't slam his head on the ice. Right. Yeah. He knew right away. So he goes down, and there was no movement, nothing, no movement. And all that unfolded after that was a series of medical personnel coming out the players all standing around, you know, they're putting masks on them, oxygen. And so I got to tell you, I was very concerned, very concerned. And my, so first of all, both my daughters turn around and they see the concern on our faces. They weren't totally sure. And then they saw the concern, and my wife's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Ross. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Is he okay? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And so when our daughters saw that, then they both started bawling. And I said, he'll be okay, guys. It's part of the, it's part of the sport. But I got to be honest with you, Jay. I did not know if he'd be okay. I yeah. have been. He might not be okay. On the, I've been on the field multiple times where a guy was knocked unconscious and they are asleep like that, but you're usually able to kind of wake them up and it just doesn't look as scary as it did for, for this blood all over the ice. They're putting all kinds of contraptions on them. And you know, all the players you could tell were very concerned. It went from, an unbelievable roar when they were fighting to deafening silence, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it was Paul. so quiet, it was eerie. 
you could hear a pin drop. And I I did not know if he was going to be okay. Now, on the drive home, they actually put the guy in the penalty box and they were going to play. And then they thought better of it. Both teams went into the locker room and Shepard went out of the penalty box back into the, the checkers locker room. But when Shepard came over initially to the checker, to the penalty box, I mean, it almost gets me choked up. He, he was very concerned. Like he was just like this, like he would like, and I don't know if it's because he knew how bad he hurt the guy and, or I'm guessing he's the one that initiated the fight. So you initiate it and then you put a guy in the hospital and there were some fans behind us saying, it's not your fault, Shepard. Keep your head up. It's part of the sport. It's okay, Shepard. Don't worry about it, Shepard. But he was distraught. I mean, he yeah. was like apoplectic. So I say to my wife, you know, I wanted to leave right away. But then I thought, how concerning will that be for my daughters if we leave right away? So instead, we were like, it's okay. He'll be fine. But then when I saw the checkers go to the locker room, I was like, they're not playing anymore. Like, we got to go. They didn't continue play for 20 minutes. They took, like, the end of the period then, um, if you will. And so I got to tell you, I love violence. I love hitting people. I miss it every day. And I like fighting in hockey. Or at least I thought I did until last night. Until I saw how bad that was for Kessie, and I saw how distraught Shepard was, how upset my wife and daughters were. And, you know, then they're asking all kinds of questions. You know, well, why do they fight then? What, what, why do they hit him in the head if it's not good? Because then I'm saying to my daughters, that's why on the car ride home, that's why you never, ever hit anybody especially your sister in the head. Well, then why did he hit him in the head? Well, they're professionals and that's part of it. It's a tough one to explain, Jay. It really is. It's hard to explain. It's hard to kind of wrap your head around it. And the reason why he was so upset, because he knew how he tagged him with the punch. And when you're fighting in hockey, you're holding one hand on the jersey and the other hand you're throwing is the jackhammer. And when he caught him and he felt his body go completely limp, he's trying to then hold him up so he doesn't bang his head on the ice and make him concussed further from just the initial blow that knocked him out. And this ha- this has happened far too often. And it's dangerous because these guys, you go, well, they're fighting on skates and they have, you know, it's hard to, to land a punch. And sometimes it is and you got a jersey and they're tying you up. But if you do get one loose, these are these athletes are incredible and they can throw with tremendous velocity. And when you tag a guy like that, you can do some real damage. And look, I hope, I hope the player is okay. Um, but it is, it is part of the sport. It's a lot less a part of the sport than it's ever been. And it's going to continue to go in that direction. And it's, it's amazing that, you know, it went on for as long as it did and more guys didn't even just even get killed. For, for the, you know, hitting a guy, knocking him out and have him fall on the ice, hit his head on the ice, especially when guys weren't wearing helmets. 
The league is trying to get rid of it. They need to do more to get rid of it and make it a deterrent. The problem is, is without the deterrent, of without fighting, then you have guys taking other liberties because fighting is what kept people in line from using the stick or doing other things on the ice. And without it, you know, as, as we get older and you see certain things removed from sports, it adds another element because that was in the sport as a as a a level of culpability. And with it gone, other guys take advantage of it because they don't have to answer for, you know, swinging the stick around or doing things like that. But seeing what you saw last night is very disturbing and it can really impact a kid, a young kid, especially yours are, you know, seven, eight years old. That's, that's not a good thing that they needed to witness last night. And I'm sure they were kind of freaked out and definitely very scared. So, what are the rules now about fighting in hockey? Because, it, you know, they obviously still have it. It's not as much as it used to be. So the issue with getting rid of it altogether is that you then no longer have a deterrent for some of the other behavior. I don't really understand that because you can always just be more physical. Like if they slash your guy, you can slash theirs. If they have a, a bad hit on you, you can have like you can have a bad hit on them without fighting, without bare knuckled fighting, right? Well, yeah, but I mean I would I would say though too, the hitting part of it is just as dangerous. And getting this the sticks involved is very dangerous. Cutting guys, hitting them, you know, slashing them in the face and that and these things happen. Um you know, the premeditated fight is something that the, the league and both leagues and junior hockey have worked really hard to get rid of. And that's exactly what that was last night. When you see two guys just drop the mitts right off a of face off w- without even the course of play happening, that's a premeditated fight. Both guys knew it. You want to go? Yeah, we're going to go. Boom. They drop the gloves and they go. There's going to be punishment handed out just because of that element of it. Um, now, the hits in hockey, Russ, Ross, are, are, are actually more... Uh, there's more power in a hit in hockey than there is in football, if you can believe that. Now, there was a study done, a sports science study about it, because A, you can skate faster than you can run. B, you can hit a player into an object that won't move, the boards. Uh, and C, you can get to a very high rate of speed, glide into the guy because you don't have to keep moving your feet and just destroy a, defensive, a defenseless player. So the hitting part of it, too, like if you want to – you know, weed out the justice through hitting, that's da- just as dangerous. And they're trying to eliminate that. And because, you know, your natural instinct when you check a guy in that sport too is to come up as you hit him. And a lot of times that ends up targeting the head. So it, look, the players have to be more mindful and more respectful of the guys they play with. Um, but this, this deterrent of fighting is something that's coming out of the game. And there's a lot of guys running around the league's rough shot with no repercussions for acting like an idiot on the ice. So it's interesting. Our poll question this morning, Jason, and by the way, I've talked more hockey this week than I had talked in, That's not a coincidence. in, <laughs> in years. But you know what? We had we had the, uh, the Zamboni goalie, and now we had my experience last night. So you go with what happens. You go with the, the, the stories that affect your life. Uh, we have a poll question up at RDC home and home. He's at Jason Mert, M Y R T. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. 
Our show is at RDC, home and home. Should they still have fighting in hockey? Yes, 75.4%. No, 24.6%. So three out of four, 75% still say they should have fighting in hockey. I voted no, and we have over 300 votes now. I voted no because I don't think it's necessary, and I don't want to see these guys. I mean, they're 25 and 27. Shepard's 25. Kessie's 27. Let's be honest, Jay. Neither one of those guys ever going to the NHL. If you're still in the AHL at 25, 27, they both bounced around for seven, nine years. I, I looked at their stats. They bounced back and forth between the East Coast Hockey League and the AHL. If you've been bouncing between the East Coast and the AHL, you're not an NHL player. You're not going. So I don't know how much those guys are making, but in my mind, it's not enough to be getting your eyes rolled in the back of your head and having that kind of a scary scene like there was last night. You know, there's enough the speed of the sport it's a great sport in person. I love the speed, love the checking, and yes, I love the fighting. But after last night, at a minimum, it's not a family event. I mean, if they're going to allow that, that is not a family atmosphere if there's going to be really bad fights like that. Yeah. it's Well, you know, it's funny because I'm sure when the fight started, everybody stood up and was going crazy. Like, it's like, yeah. let's watch the car crash, right? But then when you see the result, when, when there's a fight and guys throw hands and, and they get into a good scrap and they both, you know, walk off to the penalty box or skate off to the penalty box. It's cool. That's fine. It, hey, it was a fight. It was fun. I went to a, you know, I went to a hockey game and a fight broke out or I went to a fight and a hockey game broke out. It's the old joke. Um, but when one guy doesn't get up and they got to bring an ambulance out, a stretcher out and take him off the ice and there's blood all over the ice. And it's clear the guy was knocked completely unconscious. And it's so much so that they didn't finish that period. They went into the dressing room and cleaned the ice and did all that so they could return and then just add the time on to the next period. When that happens, it's distressing. It's not only distressing to the guy that knocked him out. It's distressing to everybody else that is wearing a uniform. It's distressing to everybody in the building that witnessed it. And, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to say there should be no fighting, um, but there has to be a deterrent to the premeditated fight, which that was last night. Uh, I'm not like one of those old school Neanderthal hockey guys be like, yeah, you know, drop the gloves, kick the shit out of them. That's not wh where I'm at with it. Uh, and I'm pretty progressive in the game, um, even though I've been around the game for 45 years, 47 years. But, you know, so I'm not ready to say it. it should not be in the sport at all. Certainly shouldn't be in it at youth levels and junior levels at the pro level. It's got to at least be min minimized a lot. And even with it minimized a tremendous amount events like last night can happen. They're not normal, but they do happen. And you really got, I get, you got to look at it. Maybe I should rethink my stance on it completely uh, that it should be banned in total because guys can get really seriously hurt. And that guy last night probably got, seriously hurt and the, the long-term effects are more concerning than anything and as you mentioned these are two guys that aren't making you know six million dollars a year to play the sport they're not they're making 70 
to ninety or one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, and they could be suffering permanent damage to their brains for the rest of their lives. And that's concerning. So looking at some of the responses on Twitter, Jory said they shouldn't take their helmets off like last night. They do that uh, because there's a shield and you'll carve up your hands hitting it on a helmet. You have to take your helmet off. <laughs> do you want to throw about a punch into a helmet? helmet on? What about keeping the helmet on and the gloves on? Um, well, it kind of defeats the purpose of dropping the gloves. It's, it's like, why don't you just wrestle? You know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. What, you can still hit yeah. the other person in the head, but you got you got a big hockey glove on. Yeah, I mean, it's like, why don't they go put on those sumo suits that you do at the bar, and they can like, you know what I, you know what I mean? Uh, they want to hurt each other, but they don't want to hurt each other real bad. You know what I mean? Another one I got was, if people want to box, we have boxing. If they want to brawl, MMA. If they like the theatrics of it, WWE. From my view, I'd rather watch them skate and play than punch. I uh, They said, should the, the poll was, should they still have fighting in hockey? And I said my opinion on this changed as of last night. And Jake, a uh, Packers fan, said, yes, it should. I don't know if he's saying, yes, my opinion should change, or yes, they should still have hockey. I'm not sure. And then Kevin said, they should have eliminated it when shields became mandatory. Seems pointless. Yeah, and that's the point. You got to take off your helmet. I mean, they have to wear a half shield in the sport now, so you have to wear a half visor so to protect your eyes. Um, but and throwing a punch into one of those visors into a helmet, you see guys' hands would be their knuckles, Ross, would be just mangled from throwing haymakers into a plastic helmet. So that's why they take their helmets off. Like, okay, if we're both agreeing to fight, let's take off our our helmet and let's go. Drop our gloves and and we'll go and we'll throw. Um, but when something happens like last night and a guy tags a guy, another guy like that, it's really, really bad. There is a sport called boxing where they actually do punch each other and they're paid to punch each other. And it's kind of crazy that there was a significant heavyweight bout, Jason, Saturday night. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury wins the bout, and here's what the, the final call sounded like. Deontay Wilder has the ultimate eraser. But you have to be able to execute on it. You have to have a delivery system. And right now, his appears to be short-circuiting. And there appears to be a hopelessness as this continues down the path of Fury domination. Tyson Fury did a great phase before throwing that combination, and this is what he's going to be doing throughout this fight. Fainting and then throwing that big right. Wilder just coasting back into that neutral corner, and now Fury's looking to split the guard as Wilder's in bad shape. Joe Tessitore there on the call. I recognize that voice. Tyson Fury takes down Deontay Wilder. Here's my question for you, Jason. Did you buy the fight or do you know anybody that did buy the fight? 
I do know a couple people that bought the fight, and I got invited to a to go watch it at uh, a friend of mine's house that actually works in this industry. Uh, I couldn't go because I, I had a, a Flyers game to work that night on Saturday night. But that being said, um, I don't know that I would have gone anyway. I'll just wait and watch the clips later. <laughs> and I wouldn't spend $80 on that. I have no faith that it's going to be worth my $80 when it comes to heavyweight boxing anymore. So what time, I mean, I don't even know what time the fight actually started. But so I know like this, the last time, what's that? Like 11.45, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's number one. Number two, I don't remember, the last time I went to a buddy's house to watch a fight was Pacquiao Mayweather. And I was bored to tears. Yeah. Bored to tears. It felt like nobody actually punched anybody in the entire fight. And maybe I just don't appreciate the sweet science, but I was bored. Like, what, when is someone going to get punched? Like, when, when are we going to have a fluid? That's not how Mayweather fights. Kudos to him, I guess. He's made a zillion dollars never actually getting hit, it seems like. Or even having to hit the other person that hard. But <clears throat> that's what he's done. But I was bored. And I just don't understand the $80 thing when within minutes, the knockdown, the ending TKO was all over social media. And frankly, that's the only part of it I really need to watch anyway. Yeah. I didn't, first of all, I don't need to see the undercard. So I'm not going to spend the money to see any of the undercard stuff. I don't care who the no-name guys are. And like you said, you get bored in that that Pacquiao, uh, that fight. And because those guys box, like boxing's boring. Fighting's fun, but boxing is really boring. You know what I mean? So when two guys are out there to not get hit and maybe capitalize once or twice in, in a round on, on hitting a guy, that's boring. That's why the heavyweight division was always the fun one because they actually fought. You know, when you had a guy like Tyson, he would go out and he was a brawler. But then now you got these guys. It's, it is the sport has lost a lot of luster. It's why the MMA has done so much better because those guys out there. Yeah, you got some guys that are wrestlers or mixed martial artists or submission guys like Hoist Gracie. But overall, I'll, if I'm watching that and I'm going to pay the money, I want to see guys fight. I don't want to see them dance. And the fact is that I can wait till 10 minutes after the fight. And because of the magic of the internet and streaming, I can see it all anyway, free of charge. No credit card needed. I don't need it. And I'm not that interested to watch it live. It doesn't intrigue me like it once did. It's like boxing well, is, is like coming horse racing. Well, and you're right about MMA. There certainly seems to be more action than mm. there is in your typical boxing match. And, well, then, and then after the, right, and then after the fight, You've got Deontay Wilder now saying that he didn't have his legs for the fight because the costume he wore into the ring was 40 pounds. That's another thing I think. I personally, it turns me off to boxing. It just feels like there's always shenanigans. It just yeah. feels like there's always like some excuse or some, I mean, and maybe it's just always been that way, but it's just like, come on, dude. Like, I don't care. Um, then you should have thought of that ahead of time. Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not here for the excuses. 
It's one thing I like about individual sports like that. There are no excuses. You're inside yep. that ring. It's one-on-one. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I would have kicked the shit out of you if. Uh, th- there's always that after the guy for, for the guy that lost, you know? And for him to blame his stupid 40-pound costume, like, come on, dude. That's so weak. You cannot blame. Well, I wore a 40-pound costume uh, for a 200-yard walk to the ring, and that's why I lost the fight. You've been training for months for this, and you're going to blame a costume? Like, that guy, he should go out there now and have to get the shit kicked out of him again for saying that. Like, that is as dumb as it gets to, to, to blame the loss on the stupid costume that he wore. He, he deserves a beating now. He should have to go against two fighters. They can kick the shit out of him for making that excuse. Speaking of deserve, do fans that bring signs to Astros games criticizing the cheaters that are the Houston Astros, do they deserve to lose those signs? Is that a smart move or a bad move for the Houston Astros? And maybe Deontay Wilder, Jay, could have used some five-hour energy. Looked to me like right before the fight, fight he could have used it. Look, he kind of had that 2.30 feeling. You're not alone, Deontay. In fact, research shows that more than 70% of us hit the wall after lunch, or in your case, after the first round. Let a five-hour energy shot help you leap over that wall instead of crashing into it. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy, on-the-go life with zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size. It's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. Now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. Five-hour energy shot can help you stay alert and energized wherever you may be headed. The Astros are at it again, stealing signs. Only this time, they are literally taking signs away from fans that are in the stands. We have video evidence. This time, it's not illegal. Evidently, if it's at your own facility... At their own spring training facility, fans of other teams have come and they brought signs to display at the Astros spring training facility and Astros representatives have been taking those signs away. I'm going to start by just giving you a blank canvas on this one, Jason. Your thoughts on the Astros taking signs away from people that have come to Astros games to have signs critical of the franchise. Um, I'd like to invite the Houston Astros to hire a PR company to help them with their problem because taking a sign from a fan that says the Houston, and it's got an asterisk with a, a hyphen and an S like the Houston asterisks, asterisks, if that's a word, and taking that sign from the fans in spring training is as dumb and tone deaf as it gets. Like, how freaking dumb are you to go into the stands 
and ironically steal a sign. Trash cans involved too, because I'm sure the the signs went into the trash can of fans just protesting basically how you cheated your way to a championship. Are you that dumb of an organization? Well, they are, because we heard we heard the owner speak a couple weeks ago, didn't we, Ross? And he was like, well, I don't know that us stealing the signs really affected the game. Really stupid? Are we supposed to believe that you knowing the pitch didn't help you win? And now people are going to protest it, and you're going to take the signs because it's in your ballpark? This organization can't get out of their own way. But you know what? In a way, Ross, it's not even their fault. It's baseball's fault. And it's the commissioner's fault because of his gutless punishment because he felt like there were too many players to punish the players. So now this is going to – what's going to happen? Because he didn't do the right things and have a swift enough hand of justice, this is going to linger all season long. So you know what? Get used to it. Order an extra dumpster out at your ballpark because there's going to be signs all year. And wait till you idiots go on the road and have to deal with road fans and let them give it to you. Where do you go to Yankee Stadium? Where do you go to these other places where you basically, you know, stuck your nose up at the sport and just cheated your way to a title and you want to claim that knowing the pitches didn't help you win? We're, we're dumb. A lot of people are dumb in this country and we can't fix dumb, but we're not this dumb. I mean, that's unbelievable. You know, I um, I don't know about this, right? Like, on the one hand, it's a bad look for them to be taking the signs, clearly, right? Like, it just seems petty, and then you have all the jokes of stealing signs. On the other hand, they are setting the tone that, at least for home games... You're kind of wasting your time if you make signs like that. They're going to take it from you. So I guess I wonder, you know, for opposing fans, and I don't know how many opposing fans would actually go to, what's it called, Minute Maid Park or whatever in Houston, or I don't know how many of them would actually go to an at Houston Astros regular season home game, but they are setting the tone that you're not going to be able to have signs at home games. And so I think that there would be a decent amount of people that might say, I'm not going to take the time to make this sign only to have them take it from me in the first inning. What a waste. So I guess on some level, you could argue they're giving their players a reprieve from that part of it, at least when they're home. Now, I do think if anything, that probably only exacerbates the situation a little bit for when they go on the road and makes people want to be even more venomous when they're on the road. I think net-net, I probably would have just let it go. Uh, But if that becomes what's shown on all the TV broadcasts, on SportsCenter, if every game they're showing the latest creative sign, that's not good for you either. And if you can at least eliminate the ones in your own ballpark, part of me feels like you almost might as well. I'm a little torn on this one. 
Well, I get what you're saying. They're, they're setting the precedent early, and, and they're doing it in spring training that, hey, if you come to what is deemed one of our home games, whether that's our spring training facility or whether that's Minute Maid Park, we're not going to allow you to have signs ripping the team for the cheating scandal. So, okay, I get that. I understand why they're doing it. Um, and, and they don't want the, you know, the stadium to be littered with these signs. But if I'm an opposition team, I'm, I'm going to make it real clear that game one against the Astros this year, signs are allowed. Voice your displeasure with what happened, how this team screwed baseball, screwed us, and screwed the fan bases uh, by cheating outwardly and brazenly with this whole thing that they did. So, look, the whole thing's just been handled so poorly. And, and you know, I almost – I'm not going to call for Rob Manford's job, but – Boy, somebody needed to step in and advise him the correct way to handle this because all it's done is exacerbate what was already a horrible situation because of his lack of leadership and how he dealt with it. So, look, I don't know when it goes away, Ross. That's the thing. When does it, Where's the line that where this stops and it becomes about baseball again for the Houston Astros? It's probably not until the World Series trophy is handed out to a different team this year because— this is going to linger, and there is an asterisk there, and the commissioner won't put one there uh, in in reality when it comes to the record book, but th- this is going to continue to go on all season long, and that's not good for me. That's not good for you. It's not good for baseball. You know, it's interesting because I feel like minor leagues and even away teams, they could have unbelievable contests. Like, um, wear your best cheating costume. Uh, whoever has the best sign for the Astros wins. Like, I mean, this could really, and I'm sure Major League Baseball behind the scenes would discourage it. But, I mean, especially if you're like the Yankees or the Dodgers, you could really have fun with it and run with it and, and let people get carried away with it. I don't blame you. Well, yeah, and I see that's the element of it where I go. This is kind of good for baseball because no, there's nobody that doesn't have an opinion on this, right? So it's at least motivated people to have an opinion and a harsh opinion one way or the other on a topic related to baseball. So it's good for baseball in that regard. But yeah, like let's have fun with it. And look, the, you're right though. The league's going to be like, we can't make fun of this. We're trying to move on, and they're going to encourage teams and and buildings to move on and they're going to put out a memo at some point that says if there are signs when the Houston Astros are in town uh, we would ask that you know you and your local building would take those signs down and respect the, the the team we've handed out punishment and blah 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 we don't want the the fans to take retribution into their own hands that's all going to happen but yeah the league should be able to have fun with it because the sport needs some fun first and foremost and if the league's not going to handle the punishment in the correct way let the fans do it because and let them have some fun with it. At least, at least it'll be entertaining. I'd love to hear the announcers at every game go, all right, we've got five signs in the crowd right now. We're going to put a Twitter poll out. Is, is this the best sign of the game? Because the winner's going to get a trip to the Bahamas. That would be fun. Let me, ju- let me just tell you this right now. The most interesting thing about baseball this year to me will be the player and fan reaction to the Astros. Period. Most interesting thing about baseball to me, I'm a Phillies fan. Hopefully Phillies are good. You know, we'll see. But 
the most interesting thing about baseball to me this year will be how the other players, meaning like beaning guys, and how the fans treat the Astros this year. I am fascinated to see how that goes down. I, I honestly, I won't be able to get enough of it. I personally think after a few weeks, it'll die down. You know, we have such short attention spans. People move on to other things, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, if this, this one will keep going, I think, for a long period of time, because there's going to be certain points in the season where it's going to be even more pronounced, like when, when the Astros go to New York or when, you know, certain places that they go and play. And God forbid that they have a good season and they're in the mix to win a division and go to the playoffs. And that very well could happen. Imagine if they're back in the postseason. Imagine if they get to a World Series. Oh, my goodness. Imagine the baseball world then. It's going to be freaking out. And then you're going to get all the conspiracy theorists going, well, here's how they're cheating now or you know, whatever it might be. It's going to be wild. It's the biggest story in sports this year. And for all the wrong reasons, but it is the biggest story in sports. And I don't know that the ADD world, and I'm part of it, I'm as ADD as they come. I got to use like a fidget spinner to pay attention to watch a TV show. And I'm, I can't get enough of it because it's an absolute mess. And I don't, I don't think it's going to go away all season long. I don't think the eight, I don't think it'll be on to the next thing. You know, it's interesting too. Um, just thinking about it, it's almost like the 2007 Patriots, where after Spygate, they went undefeated. They had a point to make that year, yep. which is that it, that was not why we were good. And they went out and they proved that point. To your point, I wonder if the Astros are capable of that. Let's bring on John Lopez. He's one of the hosts of In the Loop with Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Been an unbelievable, eventful year for Houston sports. John, it's Ross Tucker, Jason Martinez. Really appreciate the time. I guess for, for most of these questions, John, I want your opinion and the fans' opinion. Let's start with the Astros taking signs from fans that are bringing them to the park down there in spring training. What's been your reaction to that? Good move, <laughs> dumb move, and what do the fans think? Uh, dumb move, uh, first of all. There was nothing There was nothing vulgar about any of those signs, and there's some definite irony there, right? The, the, the Astros are stealing signs, you know, out of the stands. Uh, that, that, that's interesting. The Astros are in desperate, desperate need of chaos management, of new PR. Uh, you know, you go back to uh, even the Brandon Taubman thing before this really broke when there was just rumor and uh, the way he treated the women reporters and then the, the way the Astros PR denied it. And then they had to backtrack that. Then they had to renege and, and uh, take it all back. And then the way they've handled this scandal and the way they, you know, the, the press conference was, was such a, a horrible, horrible display and and even go back to yesterday, the Astros, you know, were or day before yesterday, Altuve in his first at bat was booed roundly, and that's Jose Altuve, one of the most beloved guys 
in baseball and, and a real underdog story and well-liked, just booed roundly. And then their response was, well, we didn't hear anything. Oh, sure, you didn't hear anything. <laughs> uh, well, we're, you know, we're, not, we're not really paying attention to that. Yes, you are. I mean, uh, you know, the public at large wants to see a contrite, apologetic organization. And even yesterday, they were not that. It's been a bad, bad uh, crisis management uh, for the Astros. Uh, John, first of all, congratulations on having this story for your local sports talk every day. I'm sure it's been yes. <laughs> fascinating for you guys. Um, and it's, and I'm sure that the Houston sports fans and community writers, hosts, are all split on this, on how this should be handled, how they should move forward, how baseball has handled it. How, how has that been navigating it with, you know, uh, almost like a civil war, I'm sure, happening with your fan base, writers, and everybody else? Well, there's two, there's two schools here. And, and I, by the way, I was listening to you guys, and I agree with everything that Ross said, everything that you said, except that the part about it's going to be fading away in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. This is not going anywhere. And, and the reason I say that is because it's not just fans, it's not just media, it's players. Players are upset. And as you guys know, they are like elephants. I mean, they remember things from, you know, a pitcher might hit a batter and somebody asked him, what was your problem with him? Well, he looked at me the wrong way five years ago. I mean, they have the longest memories in, you know, in sports. Uh, So I think this is going to go on into next year, into the year after that, and maybe not with the you know, the verve, you know, uh, with the, the, the amount of coverage it gets. But I think it's going to be going on for a while. And as far as, like, Astros fans and Astros, the way they handle it, um, the, it's like the best defense that the Astros truthers have is other people are doing it too, or, uh, you know, or embrace the hate. You know, that, that's not exactly a, a great look. I get it because you're, you know, these are the, the long and loyal Astros fans. But I think the right tact would be to to say, yeah, we did it. Yeah, we're sorry, but we're going to make it right. Even from a fan's perspective, you know, you're going to take all this abuse at opposing ballparks and from opposing players and media. Just say, yeah, we'll, we'll make it right now. You know, I think that's the way to go. Talking with John Lopez from In the Loop with Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610 there, Houston on the radio.com app. So it doesn't sound like fans are necessarily defending them other than what you said. What do fans think about the idea of the Astros having to vacate their World Series title? Would that really bother them? Or do they look at it like, who cares that we already had all the fun and the parade and everything? Yeah, I, I think it would bother. Uh, I think it would bother a lot of Astros fans, and I'm actually on their side on this. I, I don't. I mean, the, I think for all intents and purposes, if you vacate the Astros title, it's just for show, because the perception is the national uh, narrative is that title has already been vacated. I mean, nobody's going to look at this title the same. You know, why do you need a piece of paper? You know, to to say that 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 title's been vacated. It's been tarnished. It's been tainted. Uh, a piece of paper or a ruling or whatever, that's not going to prove anything. And, and I wouldn't want to be on the Dodgers, you know, and say, hey, let's have a parade. We're, we're the World Series champs now. I mean, I just I think it's kind of an empty, empty reaction. Hey, John, what, what is the what is the feeling inside that Astros clubhouse day in 
and day out? Is it like walking on eggshells? Is there a feeling like usually in spring training, you go into a clubhouse and it's very loose and yeah. you know, it, it's very comfortable and everybody's kind of relaxed. Hey, we're, you know, we're charging up, we're getting ready. We're putting our work in, we're getting ready for another season. What's a very long season and a complete grind. But is it walking in there right now and just like like you could cut the tension with a knife because this has not let up in any way, shape or form? And, you know, the, look, the the public pressure has gotten them a couple of bodies where a couple of guys lost their job. But the right. players all still haven't really gotten any kind of punishment of significance. So what is that feeling like around the team and in that clubhouse? Well, we're all familiar with ignore it and maybe it'll go away, right? I mean, that's kind of the feeling you get around this club. Uh, you're right. You know, there, there's this underlying tone. It's like when you have an issue uh, with your girlfriend or your wife, right? And and nobody wants to bring it up because you know it'll boil over. So you just kind of kind of suppress it, you know? And so you're just kind of like, mm, do you want to bring it up? Uh, no, you bring it up. And And I think that's what it is. They're kind of ignoring it as best they can. But then inevitably somebody, uh, whether it's a baseball writer or an interviewer on television or whatever, uh, it, it comes back to that. And, and I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's going to be, it's going to be their job to try to just kind of, you know, keep their heads down and do their jobs, but they know it's always going to be there. And it's just kind of an underlying tension. John, uh, my last question, how good are the Astros? My last question on the Astros, I should say. I got some J.J. Watt and Bill O'Brien for you, but oh, how yeah. good are the Astros supposed to be this year? Like, are they capable of what Jason was saying, making an extended playoff run? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, I mean, they haven't lost talent on the position players. In fact, Carlos Correa, who, by the way, has handled this better than anyone in that building, from the word go, uh, he's really transformed his reputation in this city because he's doing it the right way. But that's a side note. Um, but, but I think that, that, that everyday players have are, are as good as ever. Now, what is that going to translate to on the field? It's hard to say because keep in mind, Garrett Cole is gone. The Astros might be really, really good, if not great, and still get ousted in the first round of the postseason or maybe not make the postseason just because they don't have – they've got Zach Grinke, and he's supposed to fill in for – uh, that Garrett Cole role, but then what happens behind him? McCullers is coming off an injury. There's some young players. So they might be, you know, really, really good, but people will say, ah, see, told you so. It was the sign stealing that got you the World Series. When that might not be the case at all, they might not just be good enough because they've lost Garrett Cole. Uh, le- last question for me regarding the Astros as well. When you look at the situation with this team and, you know, what, they, what they're up against this year is very difficult. But the fan base is also up against something. Has there been a portion of the fans that is so disgusted with what happened and how it was handled and the comments from ownership that are saying, at least right now, we know these things kind of change. Hey, I'm done with the Astros. My loyalty to them is gone because of this whole thing and how it's affected the integrity of the sport. I think it's a smaller percentage that are actually checking out. But there are a, there's a big percentage of fans that are just embarrassed. I mean, just embarrassed that it happened. And there's this, this, this collective, oh, no, we can't have nice things in Houston. Everything great that's happened in this city in terms of championships, there's been a yeah, but. I mean, you go back to the Rockets, you know, 94, 95. Oh, what a great, great run they had. Oh, yeah, but uh, that's when Michael Jordan wasn't in the league, wasn't it? Uh, you know, the, now the, the Astros – 
uh, World Series, a championship that that really, really helped this city so much because we were coming out of and still in the midst of, of all the Harvey flooding and, and houses, you know, thousands and thousands of people's lives being uh, destroyed. And it's like, oh, yeah, but they were stealing signs. There's a, a few that are just a, a big percentage that are just embarrassed and, and wish that, that it hadn't happened. A much smaller percentage that are checked out. The Astros are just kind of woven into the fabric of the city here. John Lopez in loop with Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610 Houston. I, I got to get a couple football questions, John. You know me. Yeah. I'll yeah. start with J.J. Watt. I talked about his tweet on Friday on Payne and Pendergast down there. Has there been any reaction to his tweet down there at all i know people aren't that into cba stuff but i spoke with several current and former players that were none too pleased about it yeah and i think uh there are there's a big group that that are not pleased about it but i think it was impactful jj watt does not do anything without some thought behind it there's a reason he said that because he knows you and I and the football world will be talking about it. He did that on purpose. And, and as you well know, um, you know, a leader like that, whether it's him or Deshaun Watson, the, the younger players are going are gonna to listen to that. Uh, so I think he was really sending a message. I don't know if I agree with it. I wasn't crazy about uh, the initial CBA agreement just because I thought it should go down to two preseason games rather than three. But that's just me. But make no mistake, I mean, he did this on purpose. He did it with purpose, and I think it's impacting uh, certainly the Texans locker room, if not other locker rooms as well. John, that Texans locker room needs to take another step forward, and Ross just eliminated, uh, intimated about Bill O'Brien. Uh, what, what do they need to do to take that next step? They got this quarterback, and that's a great box to check with Deshaun Watson, dynamic player, a tremendous uh talent and a great guy to watch week in and week out but what do they need to do to take the next step the less on bill o'brien's plate the happier i am i mean this yeah. guy it, it, it's just i'm with ross on this uh i i don't have anything personally against uh, bill o'brien but i think he's the i got this guy you know like how we're always uh like if i'm working on a home project you know, my sons might say, you need some help? No, I got this. I got this. I think that's Bill O'Brien. He wants to do everything. And yesterday he had his media availability, and he added to his plate the fact that he's going to be more involved in salary cap and negotiations. And I'm like, oh, great. But the good news was that he, uh, you know, gave the play calling duties to Tim Kelly. And I think that's a big first step with Deshaun Watson. Tim Kelly, I mean, it can't be worse, right, in terms of, what you're doing with Deshaun Watson in big games and big moments and getting over the hump. Uh, you, you are in perilously close. You are perilously close to, to, to Deshaun Watson's salary and his, and his contract putting you in a bad position. And then all of a sudden, where's that help going to come from? You don't have any draft picks. You gave you know, top draft picks. You gave them away. Uh, how is he going to get some help? So the less on Bill O'Brien's plate, the happier I am. And certainly, if Tim Kelly's calling play, plays, it can't be any worse. John, last question. Has Houston caught the roughneck fever? Is anybody Stop. talking about the Houston <laughs> Roughnecks XFL? Is, is it a thing or is it not a thing? 
Dude, I was tailgating from the first game, man. I love it. I really do. Uh, it's football. I mean, there's nothing wrong with football, right, at, at, at any time and during the year. Uh, twenty eighteen to 20,000 people have gone to the home games here. It's catching on. I think it's novelty. But, uh, I mean, this is football country, man. I mean, this is, uh, you know, the, the most important sport outside of football <laughs> season is off-season football uh, down here. So people are enjoying it. I like the kickoff rule a lot. I like some of the other rules, uh, and I think that's something that the NFL is going to have to notice. Now, it, it, it's a lot of fun down here. It really is. John, it's always a good time when you come on the show as well. Really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. You guys rock. Appreciate it. There he is, John Lopez from In the Loop with Landry Locker Sports Radio, 610 down there in Houston on the radio.com app. Every day, Jay, around 930, we have a Ask Reddit question of the day. Today is a doozy. Then we'll get into the Jets and our all 32 We'll talk a little XFL. We'll talk a little combine and CBA. We'll get to some NFL stuff later. But first, when is a time you legitimately thought you were going to die? We'll discuss next. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the radio.com app or at radio.com slash home. Home and home. 